are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Cam Milkins. Cam is a manager at a behavioral health recovery program. He's also an author, and perhaps the name already gave it away, but he's my big brother. We'll be right back with Cam, but first let's talk about struggle. I recently was talking to someone close to me about struggling, and they said, it's it's just been so much struggle. Everything's so much struggle, and if I can find a way of avoiding struggle, it's needless. We don't have to have these struggles in our lives. It's needless struggle to no end. And if there's any way for me to avoid that or help other people avoid it, that's my goal. That's something I want to do. I want to help people avoid the struggles in their life. And I realize that I have a totally different philosophy. I actually believe that struggle is necessary that struggle is part of our time here on this planet and that it's, it's, it's not it, like struggle is a, is life is struggle, but suffering is optional. And that the part of the struggle is just getting through things. Like even if you're having a good time and things are going well, something's going to happen in your life. Something's going to change at your job. Something's going to happen to someone you love. You're going to have a disagreement with someone you care about their opinion and that those things are just part of life. But the, the suffering is something that comes from inside. The suffering is something to do with how you look at, maybe look at struggle itself. The suffering comes from resistance to what's happening. And for me, long ago, like as a little kid, there were like a lot of problems in my family, a lot of fighting, a lot of alcoholism, just just kind of cruddy things that were happening at home. And I think somewhere along the line, I looked at things and said, well, that's just how life is. Life is full of these struggles and that's okay. We have struggle in our life and we get through it and we figure out a way beyond it. And in from that viewpoint, it somehow makes it easier to get through the hard times. When this year I was really having a hard time at my job and, you know, just working a lot of hours and feeling sort of resentful about it. And then one day I I talked about acceptance recently on the show that I just accepted, like, I work a lot of hours, no big deal. But somehow I really value the things that I've struggled hard for. And sometimes on a negative viewpoint, I have a hard time valuing things that come easily to me. People are like, oh, you're so talented with my artwork. And I don't know that I believe in talent. It's like, well, 44 years after, well, let's say 41. I've been drawing since I was three, since my dad showed me how to make a bunny rabbit. And he's like, Here, here's how you draw a bunny rabbit. And then I drew lots and lots and lots of bunny rabbits. I had a whole clan of bunny rabbits. And with from that point on, I've drawn and colored and painted and whatever I could get my hands on to make artwork. And of course, at some point, you're pretty good at it. But that that some, you know, I just take it for granted. It's like, yeah, well, I could do that stuff. No big deal. Whereas the things that are hard for me, like I'm dyslexic. So being able to do well with writing is something that I'm really proud of because I had to work so hard for it. My mom said, oh, you're a Calvinist like your father. 
<laughs> he wasn't religious, but it was just like this sort of like Protestant work ethic, work hard, get things done. And then that's what the value in life comes from. And so I guess I believe in struggling. I believe for work in working hard for things. I believe that good things come out of struggle. And that includes my romantic relationship. That includes my work relationships. That includes my accomplishments in life. The ones I value the most are the ones that I work the hardest for. That includes this show. This has been a struggle. That includes my relationship with my guests. That's not always easy. Sometimes it's a struggle. It's like, oh, okay, we, we do the practice round and then they come in and they tell me these really heart-wrenching things and it's really hard sometimes, but it also opens something up inside me. It's like, wow, that's really amazing. And I don't, I don't always value the things that are easy. And I realized this friend of mine that really, if it could be easy, it could be better. <laughs> I think that that point of view has its value too. And sometimes I think I do struggle needlessly when there might be help that would make things easier for me. I don't seek it out because I'm caught in the struggle. And even when I am suffering and not enjoying it, I just stay in this place of struggle with really kind of no purpose. So I think there's something you can have maybe a balance between the two points of view that struggle is inevitable and life is full of struggle. And that the suffering is something that comes from maybe your point of view on it. And then acceptance helps with that. And I've come to accept that I have depression and it comes and goes in my life. Right now, I feel really good. And that scares me because maybe it'll go away. I've worked really hard and now I've finished all this stuff at school. And I'm afraid that now I'm going to be depressed because I've finished and accomplished something. And everything's really easy right now, which means it's time to be really depressed. And <laughs> all this mad internal dialogue, but somewhere between trying to avoid the struggles in life because they're needless and letting go of the things you're struggling for that are not helping you. And on the other end, just accepting that there are struggles in life and it's part of being has really helped me through these worst times of my life. And I hope that I can learn to enjoy it when things are easy and maybe just appreciate the you know, I'm going to go to France this summer and I'm going to miss you all. And some people are going to be still doing the show. The show will still be here. But that to just go with an open heart and open mind and just enjoy it and feel like there doesn't need to be any struggle here at all. So some balance between the two. And then I'll just end with a Brene Brown quote. You guys might have noticed by now. I just love her. You're imperfect and you are wired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. Imperfections are not inadequacies. They are reminders that we're all in this together. Thank you, Brene Brown. <laughs> so today we have with us in the studio, Cam Milkins. Cam is a manager at a behavioral health recovery program. He's also an author and my big brother. Hello, Cam. Welcome to the depression session. Thanks for having me. Uh, first off, I just wanted to acknowledge you for your bravery and strength for putting your family dysfunction and unique brain chemistry on display. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and also, I, being in behavioral health, I'm like super proud of you about this show because it's really helpful to destigmatize mental illness and uh, get it out into the public eye so that people can see that, you know, everybody has their little quirks and uh, it's okay when those quirks are dragging you down a little bit. And But everybody struggles. Everybody struggles. <laughs> we definitely do. We definitely do. 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's sweet of you. I love that you're my big brother. I love that you're my little sister. It's awesome. I always tell people, like, even if you weren't my brother and you just lived next door, we'd be best friends at the end of the week. We we totally would. (laughs) (laughs) So it's great having you in the studio. Anything new in your life you want to share? Oh, gosh, yes. I finally uh, found someone that deserves me. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a while to get to a point where I felt like I deserved good things, but yeah, she's amazing. And uh, I'm I'm, uh, very happy, and it's making my struggles much easier to know at the end of the day I have this beautiful human being in my life. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Love is such a funny thing because it... It on the one hand, it gives it gives so much joy, like a ridiculous amount of joy, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything has a little glow on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, everything's really shiny right now. Yeah, <laughs> and and it comes with its own struggles, and it's that same thing of just like if you if you have the point of view of like life's full of struggle, then you know your relationship will not always be easy, and there's going to be conversations that get awkward and stuff like that, but. <laughs> Those little disagreements where you're like, hmm. Yeah. What do you think your point of view is on struggle? My point of view on struggle? Um, you know, I I can't help it in some ways. You know, being a Libra, we always have to see both sides of the coin <laughs> and uh, all things must be in balance. But um, I do believe that you know, life is not going to be without struggle, but at the same time, I wish a majority of it would go away sometimes. But then when you sit back and reflect on it and look at struggle, if you didn't have struggle, you wouldn't recognize the good times either. Yeah. You know, it's the whole yin and yang thing without one, there can't be the other. Yeah. There's be just a flat existence and, you know, we wouldn't even notice that we were happy all the time if we were happy all the time. Be happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. I think there's a novel in there. <laughs> oh, it could be. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> My brother's a really awesome writer, actually. So, so Cam, tell us the story of your depression. I kind of look back on things, and it's been persistent, really, for most of my life, because... I don't know. I think it has to do with just being, you know, sensitive and uh, empathic and empathetic and, you know, very in tune with my own feelings. And I feel very deeply and not to say that other people don't feel deeply, too. But I think that, you know, as human beings, there's a range of depth that people, you know, feel their pain. So I was the little egghead kid that read books all the time rather than playing outside, worked on strategy games and that kind of thing as I grew older. And I always felt kind of like an outsider, which made me sad because it was hard to find people that understood me and could relate and could communicate in the same way that I did, you know, because we grew up in a small town where the majority of the people that we went to school with were either the children of farmers or people that worked in factories and in some cases the shop owners for the tourist aspect of that little town (laughs) and we were children of educators you know I was reading by the time I was three years old (laughs) and that in and of itself kind of set me apart from a, a lot of the kids who 
maybe spend a little more time throwing the football around or playing baseball or whatever it was. And I never really felt like I fit it, fit in. And so that's kind of a point where I attribute that that kind of habit of sadness maybe began. And then, of course, there was the turmoil of our middle childhood with the alcoholism and the divorce and all those kinds of things. And then some of the situations where mom experienced domestic violence. And I'm really grateful that I wasn't around to witness that, but seeing her have to go through that in the aftermath. And it was hard not to be sad during those times. And I do consider myself to be incredibly resilient. We both of us got back up and dusted ourselves off and plugged on forward and kept working at things. But then as things continued on and then when our stepdad showed up on the scene and uh, was a completely different kind of human being than our family was accustomed (laughs) to having around. And I think he thought he was like doing good by trying to quote, shape me up and make me a better person. But having, uh, having someone put an authority over you when you're 17 years old, probably not the best thing to happen despite the fact that I was a four-point student in high school and the president of the student council and in band and theater to be told that, well, you don't have a job. And so you, you, you need to be better at things and just kind of just fed into that sense of self-worth and not being enough. And then just the abandonment where mom wouldn't step up in my defense. And I'm not, I want you all to know, I love my mother, amazing human being, super sweet and wonderful. At this time in her life, she was not in a good place. And so it just fed into that whole self-worth thing and, and the sadness and then having to leave the school and the community that I had known all my life and go start my senior year somewhere else just to get away from that environment was pretty tricky. And that led to trying to numb those feelings, self-medicate as we call it in my business. Spent a lot, you know, spent my first year at college uh, majoring in beer and marijuana (laughs) (laughs) Instead instead of going to classes. And then of course my grades weren't good enough despite the fact that I was perfectly capable of carrying a four-point at college as well as I did in high school, then failing at the one thing that I was really good at my whole life. And that spun me out pretty bad and put me in a dark place. But again, I dusted myself off and I went out and I found work and eventually moved out on my own. Then I met my first wife and ended up with her for a total of 23 years, I think, 19 of which I was married to her. But there was the same kind of cycle there where I was constantly getting put down and things weren't enough. And so I spent a good chunk of that existence in the shadows. And, you know, towards the end of that relationship, it got even worse. And, but I still went to work every day and I took care of my kids and I did all the things that are 
as far as being responsible, but I certainly wasn't happy. And at one point, I actually started on Wellbutrin for, uh, to help quit smoking. And then I quit smoking, went off it for a while, and then my first wife, who was a nurse, said, you know, you're just not as nice as when you are on the Wellbutrin. And so we thought maybe it was an antidepressant thing, and I stayed on antidepressant or antidepressants for a few years until getting served with divorce papers, which totally spun me out because I put her through school and the original agreement was that when I got done putting her through school, she'd put me through school. But then there was always something that to her was more important and I have a tendency to be a people pleaser. And so I put my own goals aside. Again, that made me very sad and put me in some dark places a few times. So when I got served with the divorce papers, like I always told myself, well, you don't have a degree and you don't have an amazing career, but you're a good father and a good husband. And so once the divorce papers hit, identity crisis, what am I? I'm, I'm nothing now. And so I came down to visit my sister in beautiful, sunny Arizona out of the <laughs> doom and gloom of cloudy Michigan, which is a beautiful state when the sun shines, but uh, <laughs> there's a lot of time when the sun doesn't shine. And I'm sure that fed my depression when I was living up there. But then I just made the decision to move to Arizona because I really, with having that loss of identity, I needed to have a completely new surrounding to figure out who I was going to be. And so came down here, which came with its own set of things that were difficult. <laughs> Not the move itself, but finding work was a little tricky. Yeah, I, I, I found Tucson to be a very difficult job market. And so I ended up moving up to Phoenix, which then made me pretty alone. <laughs> and having lived all those years in like a family environment focused around that, I wasn't really good at socializing outside of that environment. And so I spent a lot of time by myself. And eventually I got to a point where, where I needed to do something. And so I went to a workshop that helped me kind of break out of that and then went to the writing group because I, it was something I always wanted to do was to work on my writing and started making friends through that. And so came up out of that doom and gloom again. And then that was going really well. Um, I had a lot of great friends, either people that I met at the writing group or outside of the writing group through the writers. And that's where my opportunity to get into behavioral health happened. <laughs> and so my friend knew that I had a job that I wasn't really thrilled about, but it was paying the bills. It kept the roof over my head. And he worked in a behavioral health place and said, hey, there's this administrative position open, and I think you should take it. And it paid more money than I was making significantly, had benefits, and so I applied for the job and I beat out three internal candidates for the position. 
And so then that's what started my work in behavioral health. And the difference is the places that I've worked are run by individuals with lived experience in either serious mental illness or substance use. And it doesn't have to be your own personal experience. It can be as a support, as a family member. And I kind of have that in spades all the way around. I've got my own depression that I've had experience with and then plenty of alcoholics in our family. (laughs) And, And so I spent two years at that, got passed up for a promotion a couple times. And then one of the people that was in direct supervision of me became the CEO of the organization that I work for now. And she invited me to come over and be in a much bigger role within that organization. And that was really great for a while, but then for a variety of reasons, the board was not pleased with her performance and got rid of her. And so I felt like I had a target on my back because I was, quote, her friend. (laughs) And so, but I still stuck with it. And so I went through a lot of depression and anxiety in that stretch. And in addition, I kind of skipped the part about where I had altered my dating behaviors and thrown caution to the wind and ended up in a second marriage because I thought, well, being all calculating and thinking things over so much didn't work for me. So I'm just going to go with my passion this time at about the same time that that our CEO got fired. That's when my second wife left me. So I was all kinds of spun out for a while there. And then I came back from that and got into a good position. And I've been in and out of darkness for various reasons, you know, looking for the human being to share my life with and not having a lot of success with it for a while. And then in addition to that, things that have gone on at work. But I guess the biggest thing I have to share is that those things are going to happen and it's going to put you into depression if you're prone to that. And it's okay if you choose to spend some time alone and, but recognize that that's what you're doing and recognize that at some point you need to break out of that, whether it's calling a friend and just going out for a cup of coffee to get out into the world again and do the best that you can to rely on those natural supports that you have in your life, whether it's, you know, and I'll call it your family because your family doesn't have to be blood. I'm fortunate that I have amazing family that supports me and cares about me. Not everybody has that and that's okay, but you can create your own family with the people that you surround yourself with. I'm a horror author. So there's this really great Swedish film called let the right one in. They made an American version of it. That isn't as good, but let the right one in, (laughs) you know, whether it's friends, whether it's a prospective partner, or any of that kind of stuff. And even your family, like if there are some family members that are toxic to you, especially when you're down, you know, avoid them like the plague. They aren't going to be any help. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, that's the thing that really can help you and let your, give yourself that time to work through it, but don't wallow in it forever. 
because it's really easy to get trapped there. It is a quagmire. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for your story, Cam. You're welcome. And while you were talking, I was thinking about, for me, my depression is really situational. Something specific happens and I'm, I'm down. I was wondering, do you feel like yours is situational or is it like something you come in and out of regardless of what's happening? It is situational on some level. I, I guess it, it is completely when I think about it. Sometimes I don't know why I'm feeling down. And so I have to sit. And again, that's allowing me that time to process it and feel it. And I have to sit in those feelings until I can figure out where it's coming from. But I'm getting better at that. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, it's good to get older. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like, I mean, I've known you my whole life, but you're older than me, so when I was born, you were there trying to kill me just a little bit, actually. Only one time. Only one time. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the time, I might have tried to harm you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, older brothers. But I I think about it, and... I don't actually know, like from the outside, in some ways, it looks like a lot of it has been depression as a thread through your life. Mm -hmm. When you were telling your story, I'm like, wow, this is so much. It goes through the thread that goes through so much of your life. But then the situation of your life has been lots of hard knocks. <laughs> it has. I have a PhD from the school of hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just wondering how that, you know, if it, if it feels like, because I can never tell in life, like life is full of all those struggles. This is one of my, on my mind right now. Like it's yeah. just full of crud. And I've been through some really tough times where I actually felt pretty good through it all and didn't have depression. And then I've been through some really great times where I was just in a depression. <laughs> well, I think, like, for me, it, it, a lot of those early childhood things and then the later childhood experiences that I had were traumas. Mm -hmm. Now, doesn't mean that somebody has to be beating you I, I didn't realize that. Like, you can have PTSD from emotional stuff. And I think that creates a pattern, like a go-to, when something bad happens. And so I think that that's why the depression is such a threat for me, is because it was just, that was the go-to. It's like, okay, mm. you're back in this situation, you have no control over it, and so this is how you feel now. This is what you do when this happens. And so... And, and that being said, you've still found things to inspire and get you through, like your writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There have always been different things that I've used to try and pull myself up. And again, now that I'm older, I can recognize what's happening a lot easier and allow myself that time and just say, okay, at this point I need to do something. Who can I call? What can I do differently right now so that I'm not sitting at home and staring up at the bottle of bourbon up there that looks really delicious and will numb me out right now. Yeah. <laughs> on, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the depression session. Love you. Love you too. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. 
To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septahelix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.